0: Are you worried about the bottom dropping out of your world? Does the world seem like it's spinning out of control? Are you left asking, what's my next move? How can you live the dream with everything that's happening? In this episode, we tell you how we live the dream. This is Rock Bottom Survival Skills with John Eldon Gibbons and Teresa S. Landry.
1: We invite you to follow Rock Bottom Survival Skills on our web pages, social media links, YouTube channels, podcast locations, and on demand TV programs via Roku, smart TVs, and devices. Check the links below.
0: Welcome to Rock Bottom Survival Skills. I'm John Alden Gibbons.
1: And I'm Teresa S. Landry.
0: On this episode of Rock Bottom Survival Skills, we talk about living the dream the good, the bad, and the ugly.
1: The very ugly. Views expressed on this podcast are our opinions and based on our personal experiences and are not meant to be professional or financial advice in any way, shape, or form.
0: Welcome to Rock Bottom Survival Skills. I'm John Eldon Gibbons.
1: And I'm Teresa S. Landry.
0: So today's topic is living the dream, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, one of the first things that I want to Kind of bring into this is the we why you know why come up living the dream you know uh, this is really based on you and I being in a store, uh, which will be nameless.
1: <laughs> yeah, we didn't know we were living the dream. Actually, we were um, perhaps living our dream, but we were in a store talking to people about actually some of our problems living in a yurt and establishing a homestead and.
0: And also building because building, that's part of it. and we're I mean, moving uh, you know, on moving with another forward. structure at this point. Um, also, the chickens and uh, quail and we we just you know. started
1: talking about our life, and uh, the man in the store said, "You're really living the dream." And that's when it hit us that people really actually aspire to our lifestyle. Which we found kind of funny. Yeah,
0: really. And, you know, I mean, how did we... Co- well, first of all, let's, let's be honest. I mean, we are living the dream. We're living deliberately. That was the whole point. I mean, these were conscious decisions. Now, we could have... I could have done a lot of different things to move forward, uh, as could have, you know, you could have as well, right?
1: Yes. Um, we made a conscious choice to... Move on to our homestead and build it forward, rather than spending all of our money continuing with the daily grind. We wanted to put our money into something that would last, something that was ours, um, something that would build a future rather than just line somebody else's pockets. There are pros and cons of that.
0: Yeah, and you know, I mean, what do you? What do you uh, let me ask real quick, what your influences are. I mean, I'm for me, the number one one's probably well. F- uh, okay. Number one and two. Number one was obviously with my grandfather and even my father. Uh, you know, our whole family going back for through history were homesteaders. Uh, you know, originally in Texas, moving out of the Ozarks on my on my father's side, um, and then in the you know on my mother's side, we're still looking at at people that came over from Ireland and and established farms, but. Even more importantly, I think what influenced uh, myself is Five Acres and Independence was a great book, uh, as well as, you know, what what do you think? What what about you?
1: For me, um, I've raised animals in the past, and I think knowing what goes into your food and being able to put something on the table and knowing that it's not full of chemicals, and I have some control over how it's raised, be it uh, meat or vegetable, because I'm not a vegetarian, although I do love vegetables. Um, I, I just think there's more control in your life, and it, it makes you feel good.
0: Yeah, I. the other part is I look back, okay, your background is really, you know, you did the whole homesteader thing for quite a long time. Yes, I did. And uh, I also, you know, I ran a, a survival school with a partner, I think it was pretty successful. We had some government contracts, uh, federal, you know, federal education type contracts. With uh, okay, anyway, <laughs> okay. So you know, all right. Now I'm kind of stumbling on this because you think about yourself. Well, how much do you really want to give away? I mean, it's not these. These are kind of past things. So let me try again. So it's really important that you know, whereas your background and mine, I mean, you come at. Come from it as a homesteader. You did that for a long period of time. Yes,
1: yeah, so I also over the years. This was a gradual thing. I've always been a fitness person, but it wasn't until probably my late 30s that I realized how important nutrition was um, in the in the whole scheme of things. I had always eaten what I considered pretty well um, and pretty wholesome but I didn't make the jump over into no pesticides and reducing the, um, empty carbs until my late thirties. That means a lot to me.
0: Right. And for me, uh, you know, a background being ex-military, which really doesn't have a lot to do with what, you know, the direction I've taken, uh, a lot of martial arts background as well. I was really intrigued with wilderness survival. I mean, I've been doing it since I was eight years old, really, you know, I mean, uh, I went on a survival trip with my grandfather, and then just going forward, I always aspired to do these outdoor wilderness activities. I worked for years for different camps in the Adirondacks, and I did guiding. I did sailing instruction for two years on Lake George. Everything I had ever done was really geared toward this kind of independence, freedom, and how do you really make do with what you have.
1: And I had some opposite experiences where all the things that my parents and grandparents talked about hating about the the primitive, um, not primitive, but the less technological society, the less modern conveniences, I found uh, a little bit romantic. Um,
0: and a lot of people do, right? I yes, mean Everybody they romanticizes, it's, it's which is why we're going to get into the bad and the ugly, because it isn't always <laughs> as fun as it looks.
1: So, um, I had romanticized some of the simpler life stories that I had heard, and there's a, a huge physical aspect and a huge hardship aspect to that simpler living that we don't really think about, and, um... It, it there's a nostalgia there for something you never even had
0: well and you know for me too as growing up I mean I traveled I lived in places like, like Las Vegas I lived in Idaho uh, I lived in Wash the state of Washington I lived in the Philippines some of the things that you're talking about my in the 70s for me my dad was in Vietnam and Thailand And we went back to live with my grandmother. We had electricity, but we did not have running water. We had, you know, it was a 20 acre property. I got to travel through the woods any way I wanted to, do everything I, you know, that that someone who's really interested in the outdoors got to experience. But, you know, we, we had to draw bath water. It's not like so the romantic part I got was not exactly correct. I mean I was I was there. Yeah, because I didn't have that. The
1: the most that I ever had to deal with growing up was oh gosh, our good well with nice water was running dry, which it did periodically, and we had to switch to the second well which had a sulfur smell. But it was just like oh the, the water's not quite clear so we have to switch the The valve, it wasn't a big deal, at least not for me as a kid. It might have been for my parents, but I didn't know.
0: Yeah, and really for me as well, I mean, we had a shallow well, really, uh, Mm. that was used for utility water through pumps. There was actually a pump in the house, all right, a hand pump, and we didn't drink it. You know, that's not, we had to bring in drinking water on a regular basis. But we had utility water. So anyway, anyway, go ahead.
1: So this is um, where we come at going toward our personal dreams. And we're pretty united on where we want our end goals to be. We have some issues on how to get there sometimes because we're two different people. But, um, you know, we're headed for a homestead with an independent lifestyle, one that is not off-grid because we do realize how nice conveniences are but one that is as simple as we can make it in a practical sense.
0: And, you know, oh, and you know, we should probably clear something up that we're married, right? I mean,
1: <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, we are married, but. but. You know, you have your own career. <laughs> you
0: have your own identity. You're an author. Uh, for those of you who don't know, she's, she's an author of several books. Some of them are on fitness. One of them, and I've got I to put a plug in here, is Cage Theory, that, uh, I just got, I was, I do a lot of the traveling around talking to people. Okay. And, and originally the sales, as it were, I, this is my deal, my, my process. It, she had been doing these things before I met her. So this isn't something that was really uh, part of us together. It's just that I'm doing other promotions as well. And so we, you know, we get into an agreement, uh, well, I'm going to move forward. And even when we met, some of our conversations originally were about, you know, how can we move forward in in these experiences. Like I think at the time, you were looking at, you know, how can you increase things like what video production. And we got into a conversation and we started talking and we developed a friendship and it's gone from there in a very positive direction now for what going on five years. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other side of this is, and this is really important, that the the freedom and and the reduction of fear has been huge in this process that we're doing and by the way as i digress, what, what, you're I not going to plug cage theory what's that
1: <laughs> i said what you're not going to plug cage theory i well, thought yeah, you were cage plugging theory. me here <laughs> oh, so i was in it. okay so I... this happens all the time he does not <laughs> stay on message ever for more than 5 or 10 minutes unless of course it's about sailing
0: yeah yeah i like sailing anyway uh i like other things i love canoeing you know uh and i love i used to love climbing rock climbing i mean i've done you know i got to do now okay i'm off message all right here's the deal the cage theory this book which is about knees and joints and just your experiences from your dance background um she you know to plug, figure skating, you know, figure and, skating. Yeah. and uh you went to school at rutgers for, at the mason
1: Mason Gross School of the Arts and I uh yeah. was a dance major at Bard College right. for a couple of years. Right. So.
0: Exactly. So I mean and well, of course I know that, they don't. So the other part of this is that so this this book, Cage Theory. I was in uh one of the bookstores that I talked to people in uh and and there happened to be a guy there who had bought the book and he told me that it's the only and, and let me give you a little background on him. He's a guy who sails, all right? He's been in sailing races, he's an older gentleman. And he, he, does you know, ski racer, his daughter's a ski racer, I think, or equestrian as well. And he said it's the only book on on fitness that he's ever taken a highlighter out to highlight it. And I think that was a huge, huge.
1: Because I focus on the joint health and not the actual muscle building. Because, well, everybody does that. And the joints are where you mostly get your injuries. Um
0: yeah, and 80. you know, let's say you know again, disclaimer. I mean, you're not a physical therapist. That's not the point of the book. It's really an exercise-based stretching. I mean, yeah, what it's would, it's and, just but you general are certified joint in health in that area. I mean, you well, well for years yes, you have I, been a person for years. I did personal, personal training trainer,
1: and right? um, so, I did uh, yeah. fitness um, of all right. sorts.
0: But for it's a decades. different category. <laughs> if you're looking for physical therapy, we're not talking about that. This is sports-based exercise and stretching right I mean yeah
1: I mean if you keep injuring the same thing over and over obviously you have a structural problem in your body and if the doctor tells you that there's nothing that needs to be medically treated then you need to exercise differently and that's what this is about
0: and it it can be a bridge uh, and one of the things is a lot of what you do is a bridge kind of training right where you're getting somebody to the point where they're willing to go to the gym where they're willing to put in the
1: Right, I go back to the basics because I had coaches and professors and uh, instructors who harped on the basics, and I just internalized that. That's been a part of my life since I was four years old, and it amazes me how things that I just take as second nature, people have never heard of. Um, and cool. that's because of my interest growing up.
0: And one more, more plug in that area is you are a, now, and, and I, I get it wrong all the time, you're a figure skater, okay? Yes. And uh, specifically, you have two gold medals.
1: They're test medals um, in the United States Figure Skating Association and the Canadian Figure Skating Association. I'm an ice dancing gold medalist.
0: Twice. Or two. Yeah, two countries. Two countries, right? Now, yes. here's, here's the point that matters with this, is this is a world ranking, Right.
1: Yes, it's a a national test ranking in both um, countries' figure skating associations. That's U.S.
0: and Canada, correct? Yes. I just want to clarify. Okay, so now that we've got... Because, you know, the problem is a lot of people don't realize, right? They see us on this sometimes (laughs) Those are chickens
1: in the background there.
0: (laughs) We see see us on this goofy show called Welcome to Rock Bottom, which is a short we did... uh, yeah that was timed all right i like it okay but, see this is part of the is this the good is this the bad or the ugly yeah we don't get no, this. this is the
1: amusing part where you just have to throw your hands up and laugh because if you don't you just, it's frustrating
0: something's chasing um, that chicken the dog
1: is barking <laughs> the chickens are squawking the quail are really quiet, and aside from an occasional sting, which makes a person scream, the bees are pretty quiet, too.
0: Yeah, she's talking about me there, because I've been stung a few times But He's the, the bees. only
1: one the bees sting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a yellow jacket. I don't... Well, No, no, was it bee. was
1: a bee, definitely a yeah, bee. Yeah, that's
0: a different story. That'll be on the ugly part, maybe, okay? <laughs> so, okay, you know, the freedom we're talking about here, but, you know... Okay. Fear reduction. Why are we reducing fear? Because we're in control, except for when the chickens are squawking.
1: So I think the point is that we both have interests that we are very passionate about, and we also have skills that could earn us a high income living. The problem is they're not always the same. So we're trying to create a lifestyle where we can actually um, use the things that we are passionate about to Create the life we want um, in the way we want without driving ourselves crazy using skills that really bore us to tears, or having to deal with corporations where we just really can't handle. Um,
0: which I've done. The, the situation. I mean, <laughs> We've both done corporate. <laughs> of the, one of the largest corporations in the United States, uh, and I'm not talking the U.S. military navy, and which you know, <laughs> one could argue that's one too, but. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, some of the and I'm not even gonna name them, but they're it, it, one of them is one of the biggest in in the world, really, in the United States. And I've done different jobs in many of those locations. I was a licensed customs broker at one point. You know, uh, I've done licensed insurance, uh, and,
1: and I've been in management. I've right. done We've commercial done sales, prep. and I mean, uh, <laughs> you know. I, I've done tax prep too. <laughs> I've done a lot of things, and I. Think uh, one of the things that we're trying to achieve is finding something that we can be passionate about, and um, have that finance our lives, which is a work in progress. But we're doing all right.
0: Also, you know, for me, I I think you age into different parts of your world. You know, when I was in my twenties, I said, "If I don't do the military now, I'm never going to get to do it," and I did. Now, I also grew up in a military family. However. You know, at one point it was like, "Yeah, hey, you got to go do something," uh, and, and and you have to ask, "Am I going to be able to do? Am I going to be healthy enough? I'm gonna if am I going to be able to be strong enough?" And also, sometimes you're aged out of the system, so you better do it now.
1: Different upbringing. I'm not going there on my life right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so freedom. Okay. Now, was there any more? You you know.
1: No, that was part of the the whole freedom um, right. and well, what, what we're trying to mean? achieve.
0: What does freedom mean?
1: The ability to do what I want with my life, and to not have to fit into somebody else's box. It's okay if it's your box. If you're comfortable, it's okay if it's your uh, tetrahedron. But, you know, I don't want to be in somebody else's box because I've never fit in there.
0: Well, also, you know, schedule control, right? In other words, you... Tell us, tell That's us a huge schedule. thing. Scheduling I mean, control. pandemic.
1: Point. I ended up homeschooling. That is not a something that you ever anticipate. I have toyed with the idea over the years, but I never really, honestly believed I would be a homeschooling parent. And um, you were. And I we was. Were. <laughs> Actually, we were. We were, we were uh, <laughs> homeschooling parents because <laughs> the alternative was to fail with the system that was thrown into place, and that was the situation that many parents across the United States found themselves in, because the virtual system was uh, spur of the moment. They it was not well planned. It was not well thought out. It was as well thought out as they could do on short notice, but it left a lot of children behind and we became homeschooling parents.
0: Well, what about, you know, fear reduction is one of the ones that I, I talk about a lot too. And, and you know, how, how do we, have we increased fear or reduced? Because really fear, fear drives a lot of things you do. If I quit, now first of all, under no circumstance whatever tell somebody you quit your job and move to the country or... You know, well, there um, is a
1: stability in knowing that I built these walls, they're not falling down around me, I own them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's um, There's a huge cost reduction. It. I mean, it, it, the
0: government can kick anybody out of their property. I mean, it right. could happen,
1: and you know, but, you got to keep the taxes paid, right. but it reduces your monthly stressors. Obviously, you're continuing to try to move forward, but you can move forward at your own pace on a cash as is basis. You don't right. have and to say, oh my gosh, first of the month, I got to pay some enormous amount of money to somebody else for the privilege of living in this place that has problems for another 30 days.
0: Right. And you know, here's the other part of it. Like in the, in the book and as well as the program Rock Bottom Survival Skills, one of the things that I address over and again is is the fact that it, Maslow, right? I mean, Maslow's basic needs, the principle of what is it? You're not a big fan of Maslow.
1: You can't right? see this because it's a podcast, but I'm rolling my eyes now because I hear about Maslow a lot. Because
0: <laughs> if you haven't looked up Maslow, you've got to look at the at the basic needs requirements. And I'm going to do a little point in here, and this is fear reduction. If you provide it for your food, your shelter, your heat, your cooling, the things that create what we call homeostasis in your body, in other words, everything is hunky-dory, I'm all right, I got everything I need, I got water, I got food, I've got, I can move up further on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which eventually get to places like self-actualization that, hey, I can actually be a human being who not only contributes to the world, and my community and my family but i really get satisfaction out of it but you got to meet those basic needs and this is always the big problem and the problem i see you know we want to you know and we're going to do a whole episode on some of the world's problems so that we can identify specifically where we're talking about uh, but i'll give you a, a quick down is like transportation if you don't have transportation and you're isolated man i mean i'm looking at it going and we talked about this yesterday right
1: yeah, because we were going to different grocery stores because, you know, you want to get the most out of your dollar, especially when prices are rising. And um, we were at a store that had significantly lower prices on their meats, and we they do their own butchering, and they, they have good quality. So it's not just like they're sending you the dregs. They actually have quality meats at about half the price of one of the big box stores in town. And... Um, The discussion was, why doesn't everybody shop here? And I'm like, well, uh, I've, you know, the people who are reliant on public transportation, this is not on the list of stops. And they have to not only schedule um, a stop that's not on the route, but they have to schedule a pickup that's not on the route. And you can't do that when you're shopping because you don't know when you're going to get there, how long it's going to take you to shop, and how much you're going to have to carry back with you. So public transportation and lack of having your own transportation, especially in a rural setting, is really a detriment to moving forward.
0: Right, and you know, Stan Rockbottom, which is the character that uh, I created and that we, you know, have talked about for a very long time, we created, uh, I created these uh, cartoons based on photo stills, and, uh, we, and we're we not going to get into the, the plog at this point, but that's a future. <laughs> that is another one we can do in the future, but we'll talk, you know i, I got to get off of that. The bottom line is this, that one of the things I make fun of in a cartoon manner is the distance when you're in a rural situation. Okay, That's one of the bad things, is that if you want to get something, you may have to drive. Just to go into town for us is a 10-mile round trip, right?
1: No, it's uh, about ten miles one way to get to the big box store. Oh yeah, <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> it's a right, twenty right. mile yeah, round so trip. Twenty
0: mile, yeah. I guess really it is. You know, <laughs> the and edge another... of
1: the city is seven miles. I've clocked okay, it. But you know, I'm thinking, <laughs> well,
0: I can go get things probably five miles away. I mean, at the very least, right? It's but...
1: still. It was. You clocked it. It was four point two to oh, okay. the nearest yeah. store that really doesn't have <laughs> much other than crap.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, okay. You know, this is where i get gigged all the time with Teresa. <laughs> is she says you you spew numbers out and they don't add up because it, it's not as important you're a math person and i'm a but the example is it's still along <laughs> anyway so that's okay i'm i'm good with being called on that you know you gotta get your numbers right get your facts right okay um Fear reduction, uh, reduction, scheduling control. We talked about freedom overall. By the way, the the idea of living living deliberately is from Thoreau. If you haven't, if you don't remember, right? And uh, for those of you who have never read any Thoreau, please read it. Listen to it on something. Uh, You know, um, or Emerson, or Emerson.
1: Yeah, Emerson. I mean, Thoreau probably coined that term, but he got a lot of his ideas from Emerson.
0: It's just because he went there every. So okay, okay I gotta do this one because I love throw up. All right, I really do. But here's the point. He
1: now, lived deliberately.
0: He lived deliberately because every like Wednesday or Thursday he ate at Mom's. And every like other, you know, and once a week he also ate at Emerson's. So So he's (laughs) living off
1: in Walden Pond and thinking all of these grand thoughts. And other people are taking care of his bottom rung of Maslow because he's got places to go to eat. He's got things being done for him. I don't
0: believe, right? Yeah, he really didn't
1: have expenses.
0: We keep asking, well, what did he do for showers and baths? And I said, well, he probably went once a week to mom's and got his pies, because that was, that's a big deal, right? They did <laughs> throw steel pies. You know, <laughs> yeah, you look at that one, on the internet, go figure. Anyway, listen, you still, okay, look, you know, Thoreau is the basis for civil disobedience for you know, the, the movements that Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. brought to light, you know, without Thoreau, you don't get to the next step. So, yeah, I mean, no disrespect to one of the greats in both literature and uh, really social thought, progressive thought. Um, okay, what about um, appreciation for tech? What do you get out of that? Why is that important?
1: Well, when we first moved here, which again, it was very deliberate, we knew we were moving in with basically nothing. We had no electricity. We had um, our paperwork process started to get electricity installed, but it is a very lengthy process.
0: Okay, I have to disagree with basically nothing. I mean, I came with a lot of tools and a lot of
1: we're we're talking modern tech. You had tons oh, yeah, of survival ton stuff. Survival you had, stuff had no modern, modern, modern tech built in. We had well, I mean, solar we had panels and a, and a you know, con- converter. What do you call that thingy? An inverter. An inverter. Yeah, an inverter. Yeah, sure. um, yeah. And we also had children on a hot spot finishing school that had recently been shut down. <laughs>
0: right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so yeah, sure. we had... Um, energy, high energy needs with low energy production, and we had to learn how to compensate.
0: The other, the other, now let's, you know, one of the goods, now was that a good? I mean, how do you, what what good? Well, I actually uh,
1: thought it was wonderful because the only time the kids got to use tech was for school because we just didn't have that much um, capacity. So it was nice.
0: You know, here's the other question <laughs> about living off-grid, because we lived off-grid for, like, I keep saying, well, we were six months, because now it was four. <laughs> it seemed like it, you know. But the point is, too, I had spent, on average, for a six-year period, about 145 days in the woods. Now, some of those days were, now, those weren't all overnighters. Maybe, what, fifty over, around 50% of those were probably overnight or weekends, as well, if you added them all together.
1: By the way, he has a log for that, so those numbers are correct.
0: Yeah, and I actually have logs for, well, and it was because I got paid for them. I was working for the state of New York, but can I say state of New York?
1: Yeah, I I can. they were yeah. your employer. Yeah, It's a sure. fact.
0: Yeah, it's a fact. <laughs> Whether they want to hear it or not. <laughs> anyway, they closed the program. I was working for a, a, I will call it a hoods in the woods program, you know, uh, and, and I was taking an inner city youth, uh, incarcerated inner city youth, into the woods and the wilderness with, and it wasn't just me. Okay. We had a whole team of people that worked on this and we would take them backpacking, canoeing, rock climbing. We would take them whitewater rafting. We would take them caving, which by the way, I really am not a big caving fan. I've done it. I've let it. I don't like it particularly. Uh, and it's not claustrophobia. I don't have a problem with that part. I think is that pro- called,
1: like, spelunking or something? Yeah, it's
0: spelunking. Spelunking, yeah. okay. We didn't do a lot of them. Uh, the problem I have with it is not the close situation. I've been in a lot of situations where I'm closed in. Uh, some of those were in the military, and some of those were confined spaces working for big tech because I also worked for several years working on, you know, one of my initial trainings was electronics, electrical. Anyway, um... Well, you know, I was asked one time, are you afraid of heights? I said, no, um, I've done a seven-pitch climb in the Adirondacks, rock climbing. You know, I didn't lead it, but... I jumped out of a plane a couple times. <laughs> yeah, so that's good, right? <laughs> so for right now, that's all the time we have today for this podcast. But join us for the next podcast, and we're going to continue this conversation. I'm John Eldon Gibbons with Teresa S. Landry. Thanks for tuning in. We are so grateful for you joining us today, and we have to say thanks for your continued support. It's time to ask yourself, what am I waiting for? Because it's time to live deliberately. Your journey can start now. This has been a Gibbons Media Production. All rights reserved. 2021 John Gibbons Media.